Today's sermon is brought to you by the word apocatastasis. And if you say it loud enough, it sounds quite atrocious. Apocatastasis. You can say it with me. Ready? Apocatastasis, right? How many of you knew that word before you came to church today? Okay, very good. It is a Greek word. It is found in the New Testament. And, uh, okay, I can tell you that in the dictionary it means to restore, but I want to get at what this word means and, and why it's important for us as believers in Christ. So, apocatastasis. Now, today is All Saints Sunday, and we remember, we remember those who have died, and because grief has no statute of limitations, not just in the last year, but years before that. And we remember, especially those today who have died, who have died in the faith and have borne witness to Jesus Christ for us, who have pointed us back to God's love in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think, again, all of us are probably thinking about some of those saints in our lives. And I want you to think, what was the favorite food that you ate with that person who's on your heart today? That, that person who you prayed with in your life, who you worshiped with, who you talked about the faith with, who you served with. When, when you think about them, what was a food that you really liked to eat with them? And maybe it was a tomato soup, a recipe in the family, a tomato sauce for pasta. Maybe it was like a, a cookie, right? a, a certain kind of cookie that they made. Or maybe it was just a, a cup of coffee. And, and, and I want you to, to imagine when you're, when you're with them and you can, you can smell the aroma of the food as it's being prepared and you can taste it in your mouth and you can even feel, you know the seat you sat in when you talked with them. And you can hear their voice, you can hear their laughter and you can see their smile. How many, what, what would you give, what would you give to have one more, one more of those cookies with that person? What would you give to have one more time to have that, that favorite food and just savor that meal with them? I think we'd give everything, really. I want to tell you that that's actually part of the plan. That's what apocatastasis is about. You see, most religions around the world except that there's an afterlife. Most religions believe that somehow there's something greater, there's a spiritual reality greater than ourselves. So again, most believe that there's something after death. But, but when Jesus was risen from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. And when he appeared to them, he began to eat with them. And he says, look, a ghost doesn't eat. Jesus wasn't a ghost, but he came back in some sort of resurrected body, some immortal body. And in this vision that we had from the seventh chapter of Revelation, we now see that those who are in heaven, that they too have been given a body. That just as Jesus was raised in some sort of new transformed, healed body, so too, when we die, we will be transformed and still given a body. For, for if you notice there, they're all wearing a white robe. And I can go into all sorts of symbolism and even why pastors to this day wear white robes. But I don't want to get lost in the weeds. I just want to take a real basic level. In order for you to wear a robe, you've got to have shoulders. Right? You don't need a PhD in New Testament Greek to know that. Got to wear a robe, got to have bones, you got to have muscle. They had bodies. They have bodies. 
And then in their hands, they're holding a palm branch, which means in heaven, there are trees. And it means we can actually, with hands, grab stuff and move it up and down. And if they're shouting in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, that means they have vocal cords. The way you make sound is you, you have a part of your body that moves and matter vibrates. And then in the end, and then it, Jesus says that, that, that the Lord is going to wipe away the tears. That means we've got tear ducts. And that means we've got cheeks that can be wiped and touched. What does this all mean? Well, this isn't simply an academic point. What, what this means in, in terms of the law is that last week we talked about the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your strength, and your mind. And when we are renewed, when we experience the apocatastasis, when we're restored, that means we can fulfill the law. We can love God with everything that we have. But it also means for our loved ones. It also means that, that those who have died, they, they now have a body. And that means when, when we rejoin them, when we rejoin them, because if, you see, if, if, they have, if they have hands that can hold a palm branch, that means that they have hands that we can hold, and we can hold their hands again. And I think then if they're, they're standing, then I think about that person who, when they were a young person, loved to dance, but, but later in life was crippled, couldn't move. Well, you know what? You know what? They're, they're standing and they're dancing now. This is, this is the good news. And the person who, who used to be so, so witty, but, but later in life, as they just slowed down and, and they even forgot the name of their spouse, you, you know what's happening now? Now they're not only remembering who they are, but they are worshiping God with everything that they have, with all that is in them. This is the good news. This is the project. This is the apocatastasis. This is the restoration of all people in Jesus Christ. For just as he was risen from the dead, so too shall we rise. Hmm. And I could stop there because that's a lot of good news. But the apocatastasis, the, the healing, the restoration goes further. For the, the seer looks up and he says, and I... I saw the vision, and he saw, he saw that there was a great multitude of, of all the nations, and they were streaming together, all the tribes, all the tongues, all the languages, and they were worshiping God. They were around this one who's called the Lamb. And I thought, what a beautiful, what a beautiful vision. Instead, when, when I wake up and, and I begin to look out in the world and I, I look on my phone, I look on social media, I, I see the, the news at the gym, I, I look at the newspaper, I do not see the nations of the world gathering together in peace. Instead, I see an unending script of violence and warfare. I see the, the tribes of the earth not able to get along. I see cross-purposes of language. I see language used to hurt, malign, and abuse each other. And I grieve. And, and how much would I long, how much do I long for a world when I can look up and I can see all the nations of the world finally getting along? Oh, I'd give a lot for that. And in fact, humans have tried again and again to make this happen. Various utopia schemes and plots and, and grandiose ideas of communities and committees. 
or more simply blood and iron to take over people. And then again and again, whether it's born of noble or conquering aims, it, it comes down to the same, that the way that we try to make humans live together is coerced conformity. Again, coerced conformity. Make everybody have to do the same thing. And again and again, the empires get too large. They get too bureaucratic. They cannot sustain. And the tribalism comes back. It's this, this cycle of coerced conformity that just doesn't work. But along comes Jesus, and Jesus chooses not to conquer, but Jesus instead chooses to be conquered, to take the hatred, to take the violence in his body, transform it into something new. And so at the center of, of the universe now is not some military commander, not some great lawgiver, but instead it is the Lamb. That's the image that, that the Bible chooses to represent our Savior, one who is innocent, one who is meek, one who is gentle, yet whose gentleness and love somehow has drawn in all of creation together. Hmm. Well, what's at stake here? Well, it is also a matter of the law. The other great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And finally, in the end, Jesus will transform us so that we can do this. But it's also, it's also a matter, a matter of the gospel, of good news, scarce that we can comprehend it. And, and what I, I want you to, to notice in verse, in verse 9 there, it says that there's, there's again, this vision and then the seer says that, that there's all the nations of the world and their languages. And that caught me. And that caught me because what it made me first of all realize is that in, in heaven, when we sing salvation belongs to our God, we're going to be hearing over a thousand, maybe five thousand different languages, right? All the languages of human history are going to be shouting at the same time, salvation belongs to our God. And it's going to be a, a beautiful noise. A beautiful sound that echoes through all of the cosmos. But what I, what I realized is that, that language is a human creation. Okay? This morning on, on ESPN, I was scrolling through, and there was a headline that used the word fumble ruski. And I laughed, and I said, I thought only my friend in high school said that word. Right? It's a made-up word. Language is something that we as humans have made up. And what this means is that the stuff that we've done on earth... The, the language that we as humans have made somehow exists in heaven. What we do on earth actually carries over somehow in some way for heaven. Start, start going there with me. Because what that means then is that the stuff of earth, God is not abandoning. Heaven isn't. That's why I didn't use the word heaven. That's why I used the word apocatastasis. The, the plan isn't for us to say, okay, this earth is so messed up, God's like, I'm done with it, I'm going to take you somewhere else. God isn't a consumer who throws stuff away. God is the faithful creator who chooses to redeem the world and will never give up on the world or on you. And so God chooses to make all things new. And what that means is that not simply our language, but the relationships the love that we've had here, the, the love that we've had here begins now, but it goes on. The love that we have with each other doesn't die when we die. Again, heaven isn't simply this escape, but it's the restoration. It's the fullness. It's the healing of it all. 
And so this is not the day of the dead. As beautiful or as powerful as that may be, but, but All Saints Day is the day of the living. It's a day when we celebrate and give God thanks for the love that we had with those whom we prayed with. And, and we thank God for the beautiful meals we had together and the time and the laughter and the care and the sweat and the tears. And we give God thanks for the living. And it's also a day when we look forward to living after we're dead. Knowing that the death isn't the final word, but our love, because Christ is raised, our love lives on. And that then again we will join with all of creation in that living and in that celebrating. And then, here and now in the presence, we now celebrate the living one. We celebrate and rejoice in Jesus Christ, whose death and forgiveness makes us all possible. And knowing that even as today we celebrate the living one, there are those who have died, yet also who are living. And they too, with us, are celebrating the same God. That's what apocatastasis means. The restoration of our bodies, of our communities, of our world in Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.